Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, A Fresh Breath of Positivity. I am so excited to have you as we have a very special guest for today's episode. Please join me in welcoming Matt Amos. Matt is a Marine Corps veteran whose life changed forever on June 6, 2011, when he stepped on an improvised explosive device while on deployment in Afghanistan. Join me as Matt tells us about what happened that day, how it changed his life, and how he views the world now. Welcome to the podcast, A Fresh Breath of Positivity. It is an honor to have you as a guest today, and I'm excited to hear your story. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, so I wanted to have you as a guest because I know that you have a very unique story that I think everybody's really going to enjoy. But before we get to that part, can you tell us a little bit about your military background? Yep. Yeah, so uh, I joined the uh, Marine Corps back in 2004. Um, had a couple of deployments to Iraq. Uh, only got one break uh, where I went to Peru uh, for a couple of weeks, well, 30 days or so, um, and then uh, went back to uh, with uh, 1-5 at Pendleton and uh, deployed to Afghanistan from there. And so in 2011, you were on your third deployment, is that correct? That's correct. Can you take us back to that day and just kind of talk about what happened? Yeah, so, you know, we were just on a, uh, we were on a regular patrol, and uh uh, going out uh, kind of on an overnight um, overwatch position to uh, uh, watch this area that uh, this IED maker had been known to uh, be placing uh, IEDs. And so they needed eyes on in the area because we had some uh, patrols and stuff going through that area the next day. Um, and, you know, the uh, there was basically um, two routes to kind of get to where we were going. And, um, you know, there's, you know, it's basically the flip of a coin at that point. You know, what do you right. what do you do because you don't want to you don't want to establish a pattern. And so exactly. we've taken the uh, you know we've taken one route uh, a couple of times in a row, and it was like okay, um, you know, we made the decision. Let's let's uh, I made the decision actually. I was like let's take this route. So um, we go through, and it takes us through the, this route takes us through like a, a really narrow alleyway, which obviously. Um, is a, a choke point that uh, can get you in trouble real quick, um, and we knew that going into it. But um, you know, so once we got to this alleyway, um, I sent a, a security team through along with the sweep team to sweep for IEDs and set up security on the other side so that if somebody wanted to jump out with an automatic weapon of some sort and kind of got us canalized, um, we could uh, interdict that. Um, and once my sweep team got to the other side and got security set up. Um, I started my push through and, uh, I'm, you know, you're, you're basically in, in Sangin, you know, the way it was, uh, laid out was we use spray paint. We would spray paint the line that we needed to walk on. I mean, that's how, uh, tight of a, of a, of an area it was, um, where you're walking an active minefield basically. And so, um, I must have turned around to make eye contact with the uh, person behind me to let them know that they can start their uh, push into the alley. And I must have just slightly stepped off the line, and um, that's when the blast occurred. Wow. And were you were you conscious the whole time throughout this? 
yeah, yeah, I was conscious. Uh, thankfully, um, it, it launched me, uh, you know, probably about 10 feet in the air. Um, and the only reference I have for that is I know those walls were uh, nine to 10 feet tall um, on each side. And I could see over the top of them um, as I was going through the air. And so I'm looking down and, I, you know, just it, it's kind of interesting how your brain works in those moments. And looked over, I was like, well, there's not a trigger man in that one. So I think we're good. And I came down and landed and, and uh, basically fell almost um, kind of directly back into the hole um, that was created by the uh, the blast. And so uh saw the guy in front of me, uh, one of my security team members, because I was, I was kind of approaching the end of the alleyway, um, and uh, saw that he was uh, down laying on his back, and so I asked if he was uh, if he was hurt, and he said, no, I'm fine, my head just hurts a little bit, and I was like, I'm hit, I'm hit, and uh, kind of told everybody, you know, take their time getting up to me, because um, I don't want you to step on anything that's going to hurt you or me at the same time, and Right. Um, you know, attempted to uh, put put my own tourniquets on, and and uh, my fun motor skills were pretty much shot. Uh, no matter how many times you practice putting on a tourniquet on somebody else, uh, I don't think we necessarily ever practice putting it on ourselves. So, right. Um, yeah. But uh, um, so uh, you know, once uh, once they swept up to me and and I was done fumbling around, um, Doc came up, and you know my my feet were still attached, but I couldn't move them. Um, and I couldn't really, you know, there was really no pain uh, associated with it. I mean, kind of what I would relate it to is um, uh, like if you smash your, your thumb with a hammer, that kind of throbbing feeling. Right. It was, yep. it was almost the exact same thing, um, just on a much larger scale. Um, right. So, you know, both my legs are throbbing. Um, and. I got a dislocated knee and fractured femur and another fractured femur and uh, didn't know it at the time, but fractured pelvis and, and uh, ended up losing my, one of my testicles. And uh, so that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, that's our, you know, like, like, you know, like I said before, old, old righty just hangs in there and, and uh, he's, he's taking up central real estate, but uh, um, you know, and, and, Docs assessing the situation and, uh, you know, with my dislocated knee, they were trying to put a hasty splint on. And so he's looking around for stuff that he could use and, and, uh, ends up just taking the minesweeper and, and breaking the pole half of it off and using that to split my leg, which, um, was pretty awesome. Uh, and it's one of the um, techniques that they actually teach, um, at the schoolhouse for the docs that go, uh, to Corman school. Um, wow. That's cool. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, just the just the developments that that happen uh, along a battle space, and, and being able to come up with a hasty splint, you know, in a, a chaotic situation, um, very quick thinking on his part. Um, and once they had me all kind of stabilized, Doc started an IV. Um, they threw me on a litter, and then they uh, carried me back out the alleyway um, where they already had had trucks waiting for me. Um, and then they got me on the truck and then they drove me down to the helo pad. I mean, this all took place. I mean, we were no further than maybe 800 meters outside the wire. Oh um, man. And so, you know, thankfully I was very close to, um, the, uh, our little fob or whatever patrol base. Right. And, uh, to, to get that treatment very quickly and, and get on the helo and get out. Um, the, 
you know, on the helipad site as we're waiting for the helos, um, the my IV at some point had come out, and by that time my veins had collapsed, and so they were trying to reestablish an IV and couldn't, and so wow. they ended up having to do an IO, which uh, which is a interosseous uh, IV. Um, basically, me interosseous means it's going into the bone, uh, and they stuck this huge needle with a bunch of little needles to hold it in place on my chest and punched it through, um, even though I told them I didn't need it uh, repeatedly. <laughs> Um, but apparently I didn't have the choice. Um, right. And, and uh, you know, if you go to YouTube and you watch uh, IO um, videos, you can, you can see what it is. Um, cool. And uh, actual training videos from people just being test dummies and wanting to, not necessarily wanting to try it out. I imagine they're voluntold to try it out. Because <laughs> uh, I did see one guy get it in like the, uh, um, his tibia. Um, and I was oh. like, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but on that one, they actually used the drill. They didn't use the uh, just the plunger like they used on me. But right. Um, and so, uh, if anybody wants to see what that's like, you can kind of see what what that was. And, and honestly, you know, the that big needle going through my sternum um, didn't hurt. And actually, I can tell you the size of the needle because I still have a hole in my chest where that. Oh thing, man. You can you can see. I was like, oh, that's right where it was. Wow. And uh, and so. Surprisingly, again, that that didn't hurt. Of course, you know, adrenaline's pumping, and who knows, you know, it, it may have hurt a lot if I'd have been just a test dummy. But uh, and then when they went to uh, plunge it, of course, you got the, you know, you've got the cartilage, you got the bone, you got everything uh, in that line that's got to flush through. And right, and they, he said, okay, I'm going to flush the line. You know, I kind of let my guard down by that point because I thought the bad part was over, and the bad part was just beginning. And, uh, <laughs> that that flushing the line sucked. Um, wow. but you know, I mean, obviously life-saving procedure and then they, uh, put me on a, uh, a bird and then the, uh, it was a British aircraft. And the last thing I remember was a, uh, one of the, uh, members of the British team, uh, Hey, we got you mate. And that was it. I was out. And when you woke up, you were in Germany. Yep. Uh, yep. They, so they tell me I went to Bastion and they, treated me to stabilize me for transport to the uh, major hospital um, uh, in Launchstool. And then I woke up in uh, Launchstool twice. Um, and that's how I remember being there. Once they woke me up because uh, one of my Marines had been involved in an IED. Um, matter of fact, today is their live day. Um, and uh, so they had been there getting treated for a, a TBI. And, um, so they woke me up to, to see him, which was, which was good. I, you know, I really right. appreciated that. Um, yeah. And then from there, they woke me up one more time to say, Hey, we had, uh, we've got weather delays, but we're working on getting you on a bird. And then I woke up and I was on a bird and then I passed out again. And then I woke up and I was in, uh, uh, at Bethesda, um, and they did, basically all my major surgeries there. Um, but you know, kind of that whole time from like June 6th through, you know, at some point mid July, um, I was basically in a chemically induced coma, um, while they wow. did all these surgeries because the kind of the way that it went was they would do a day of surgery and then a day off and then a day on and a day off and a day on and a day off. Um, oh, wow. And so, 
it, you know, and I don't, thankfully, I don't remember much of that. Um, they would wake me up occasionally to sign a paper acknowledging that I was going to get surgery, um, even though I had no, I, no comprehension of what I was actually signing. Right. Um, <laughs> but whatever, they're going to do it. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, and uh, that's, you know, that's at the point where um, I first saw, you know, my, my, they, they flew my wife and my kids out to uh, Bethesda because we were stationed in California um, they flew my mother-in-law out. They flew my mom and dad out. Um, and that, you know, and then that's where I really started to see, um, just the overwhelming support from, um, you know, the, uh, just overwhelming support from people, um, right. you know, organizations like, uh, the Fisher house who put my, you know, put my whole family up, um, in the house, uh, for them to stay while I was going through surgeries and, um, out there in Bethesda um, to Semper Fi Fund who paid for um, or paid my mom's salary while she was in Bethesda so she didn't have to worry about uh, missing work. Wow. Um, and then it, it, to, to even the staff at Bethesda um, because when my mom found out, see, this wasn't my first injury. I was injured uh, uh, the first time in, in 2006. Okay. And, um, and so at this point, my wife, you know, had become accustomed, kind of not, a, kind of not accustomed, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe more expectant of a call. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just how bad is it this time? And um, uh, when my mom found out, she actually um, had a heart attack. So, <laughs> so she's trying to, you know, so she's back home being treated uh, before she's gotten cleared to come out to Bethesda. And then while she's at Bethesda, um, you know, even the naval. Um, docs and stuff like that. I mean, they they were doing her checkups that should have been done by her doctor back home, and they were taking wow. care of her. Um, you know, so it was just an overwhelming type of, of uh, support that that I would never have expected existed. Wow. Um, and so, you know, it really uh, it really showed me. You know, we we talk a lot about uh, ideals and why people um, sign up for the military. Um, you know, me personally, it was uh, September 11th, um, and I really wanted to make sure that we were actually going to go do something. And the day we invaded uh, Iraq is the day I went to the recruiter's office. Right. And so, uh, you know, I've got my own set of ideals of, of why I joined, and you've got yours, and, and uh, everybody has their own. Yeah. Um, but, you know, having gone through all of this and seeing um, the support, um you know, just the uh, basically just the love and support that that is shown our warriors. I mean, you know, when we're active duty, we don't get to see that. Um, yeah. We're kind of in our own little box, and and uh, it's kind of us against the world. You know, it was all nasty civilians and, and all this kind of stuff. And and uh, but seeing those people really rally uh, around us, you know, really solidified uh, why I joined the Marine Corps. Um, and it's it was an honor for me to get to see that support because it it really you know it, it makes you know both of us it makes our service worth something um, absolutely show, you know and it shows it shows the people value it and that's that's very important and i think a lot of the guys that are disgruntled or upset they just kind of miss that a little bit now whenever you were learning to walk again um you had a choice that you could look at life in a positive aspect or you could look at it as your life is now over. 
which which direction did you go and why did you make that decision uh, you know uh it's it, it actually comes back to kind of a faith-based um deal for me um you know i i believe everything happens for a reason um uh, right. may not know it but there's a greater plan and uh i was like okay um you know matter of fact i mean when i was lying there you know just seconds after the blast uh, after my initial thought was are you serious again and landed and then the next thought was you know hey this one looks pretty bad uh, right you know if, if 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 i don't make it i'm ready to go but if if it's not then you know show me what i need to do and uh so waking up in the hospital and um you know legs are gone um but you know i never really was uh depressed um i i don't i don't know exactly why um you know i don't deal with uh ptsd i don't know why um and you know i don't envy you know i I look at those guys that that struggle with that you know and and i right i empathize with them but i can't i can't understand exactly what they're going through um could because for me it's like you know i i can really control um myself and how i feel about things now i think about things and is it a struggle to do it every day? Absolutely. You know, you know, if I want to go out and I want to, you know, I want to go and shoot hoops, you know, and then I trick myself into wanting to go shoot a layup and I'm like, oh, crap, I can't, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, but I look at that and I'm like, eh, whatever, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, but laying in that hospital bed, you know, I just got to, I, I got to thinking it wasn't, um, uh, if I was going to, you know, my passion is hunting in the outdoors. That's that's what I absolutely love to do. And so sitting there, it wasn't if I was going to hunt again, it was how. And so I really started formulating, like, how am I going to do this? And I'd start watching YouTube videos. and I'd see other patients in the hospital um, walking around, and, and that provided hope. Um, and, you know, once I – I spent four months inpatient. So basically from June to October, I was in the hospital. Um I finally got released uh, kind of around Halloween. Um, and then I think this, this group came to the hospital called wounded warrior outdoors. Um, and I met them and maybe that was, maybe that was November. And they kind of had this list of trips that uh, were made available to uh, wounded warriors. And one of them was a bear hunt in uh, British Columbia, Canada. Wow. And I was like, shoot, that's a trip I'd never be able to do. Um, I want that one, you know? And so I told them, they're like, Oh yeah, absolutely. But uh, you know, you've got to meet these goals before you go. And so they got with my physical therapy team and my occupational therapy team. And they, they set a list of goals for me that this is what he has to meet before he's allowed to go. So it wasn't a trip that was given to me. It was something that I had to work for. And I mean, I, I, I did my best to perform um, and I met those goals and was able to go on this trip. Um, and I'd only had my legs for about 30 days at that point um, when I went to Canada and, you know, we're out driving around and there's a bear out in a field and, and uh, it wasn't a real good, um, it wasn't real good terrain for an amputee to be walking over. Right. Uh, but said, you know, Hey, if you want to, if you want to get that bear, I need you to get up to this boulder. And that, you know, the boulder was about a hundred yards up, which when you're on those legs for 30 days, that looks like about, you know, that looks like the baton death march to get to that, <laughs> that boulder, you know? And, right. Yep. And, uh, but 
you know, there's a, there's a carrot on the end of that stick. And so I got out and started walking and got over all that uneven terrain and ended up uh, being able to take the bear. And, and, uh, you know, when I'm, when I sat back and I thought about it, you know, after I, after the hunt, you know, I was like, man, if I can do that out here in the middle of nowhere, I can, I can pretty much do anything. Absolutely. And so it, it really kind of zeroed in my focus on my recovery and showed me what I needed to do. And, um, I, you know, I ended up, uh, retiring in 2013. I basically, uh, started volunteering, um, for WWO, um, just, because I wanted to help provide that opportunity for others um, to experience the same thing that I've experienced. Right. And it's just been kind of a, a passion ever since. I mean, I work very closely with them and, and, you know, it's, it's been pretty awesome. And just in the pursuit of trying to improve, uh, to be able to go out there and, and maybe help other hunters that, that have injuries or, you know, whether they're physical or invisible injuries, um, you know, I want to be able to be there and, and help those people along the way. And um, that just kind of brought me in a search to, you know, actually where I work um, right now, which is uh, people's orthotics and prosthetics in, in uh, Wichita, Kansas. Um, Cause I've been walking with canes for three years. And then I came here and just a roundabout way that I, I met the guy. Um, we actually met in a bow shop and, uh, we got to talking and he said he did prosthetics and, and, uh, it's like, really? Said, yeah. Come, come by and, and, uh, uh, let me know if you need anything. And so I came in and the very first set of sockets they made me, I dropped the canes in the office that day and, uh, haven't used them since. So, wow. um, yeah, I mean, you know, and so it just, it, it, it kind of leads into everything. And so then I got, uh, people's orthotics and prosthetics involved with wounded warrior outdoors um, to where now we have like a mobile lab that we can go, we can make prosthetics on the road on these trips that if guys are having issues, they're not near a VA, they're not near a hospital. Um, we can do those prosthetics for them kind of on the spot. Wow. Um, and it's just been, you know, it's just kind of, it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving, you know, the more people we meet, uh, the more people that get brought into the circle and the more resources we have to, to help our brothers out. Um, and I really think that that's what it's all about. And I think, uh, you know, going back to, um, you know, being positive, I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if we take the focus off of ourselves and we stop thinking about our own problems and start focusing on somebody else's and trying to help them through theirs, I think that that helps us. Um, right. And I think that that may be the reason um, because I, I try not to think about myself at all um, because it would be easy for me to sit back and be like, you know, this sucks, you know, right. Oh man, I got to wake up and I got to put these liners on. I got to put these legs on and, and, you know, it takes 400% more energy for me to walk than somebody with two legs. And it's like, you know, I could sit there and say life sucks, but it doesn't, you know? Um, and, and so it's, it's just a mental switch. I mean, you can choose it. It's, it's, it's tough. It's not easy, but you can choose to be positive. It just takes, um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I relate, kind of relate it to uh, back in the Marine Corps when they always talked about muscle memory. Um, you know, you do so many things so many times, it just becomes habit. And, right. you know, you don't have to think about doing it. It just, it's automatically done, you know, and that's kind of the way that I treat uh, being positive, you know, wake up every day and, and just focus on being positive. And the more you do it, it's tough at first, you know, but the more you work that, that mental muscle, the more that it builds up 
and the more that becomes just habit instead of um, like I have to force myself to pretty much be in a bad mood. I mean, so now it's kind of the opposite, you know, Um, because, you know, and I look back and I've got so much to be thankful for. I mean, I'm still here, um, you know, and I've got, uh, you know, a great support system with family and friends and and Marines and and, uh, I have absolutely zero complaints. Um, You know, a lot of what I'm doing now um, whether it's, you know, running my own businesses or, um, you know, working at the uh, prosthetics office or whatever it is, um, you know, that's all been done through mentorship and networking and, and just, I wouldn't have met those people had I not been injured. Uh, so. Such a great story that you have, Matt. And before we end the episode, um, you were given a mortgage-free home by an organization, correct? correct? Yes. Because whenever you uh, got back, it did not accommodate being an a- amputee, correct? Correct. So, yeah, I mean, and, and shame on me for not bringing them up. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's uh, uh, in, That organization is Homes for Our Troops, and what they do is they build specially adaptive housing for uh, uh, veterans with uh, mobility issues, amputees, uh, and or you know, people that have been paralyzed or whatever it is uh, through combat-related uh, instances. Right. And, um, you know, somebody – I was still at the hospital, and, and uh, one of my command came to me and he goes, hey, there's a group here, and they're interested. Um, they build homes for uh, uh, for wounded guys, and uh, are you interested in talking to them? I was like, yeah. They do what? I was like, yeah, they build mortgage-free homes for uh, injured, uh, wounded troops. And I was like, what? Uh, wow. <laughs> I'll talk. Yeah. I mean, I was blown away. I didn't really know what to say. That's um, cool. You know, and so, uh, you know, and again, I may, you know, and I, I really, uh, it, it's been, it's been a blessing. It really has, you know, and, and that just goes back to that, those, those organizations that have, that have been there for me, um, which give me the, um, kind of that fire, uh, because I've been, uh, I've been treated so well and been given, you know, what I've been given um, that I need to do my best to pay that forward. And so that's kind of what drives me. Awesome. Um, and so I just don't want to let those people that have uh, put their time and energy and invested in me, I don't want to let them down. And so that just keeps me going. Awesome. That is a great story, Matt. Thank you so much for joining me. I really enjoyed your story and I know everybody else is going to enjoy it as well. All right, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And as always, please feel free to give me any kind of feedback. I always love hearing from all of you. Um, Join me next week as I am joined in the studio with Ty Hunter. Thank you very much, and I will see you all next week.